hang on. So one second. One there. second. We're going to move Nico in. He's on a Zoom call and he's got headphones on. So he, he now is talking exponentially louder than you. I literally just stuck my kid in a closet. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's cool. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your connection here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. This is a fun episode because we recorded it in our living room. We got kids on other Zoom calls doing their schoolwork. It's crazy times, y'all. <laughs> we're all losing our minds just a little, little bit. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no, we did this call with our plywood community and asked the survey, like, is it bringing you closer together with the people you love the most? Or is it taking you further apart, creating more tension? Or are you just waiting to get done with this, all this? And 75% of the people that we pulled that day for that call said it's bringing, it's bringing people closer together. I agree. Isn't that interesting? Like in this tension of love work now, it's never been mo- more complicated than in the last few weeks, but yes. maybe, maybe this is helping. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's a good thing right now. Oh, you do? Yeah. I think for me, it's definitely like a practice of, the gift of presence and what that means. And it's so easy to, you know, have kids going to activities and you're running around and you're, you know, doing all the things, but this has really kind of stopped and accentuated like that gift of presence that you get to have this moment in time. And we're going to all look back at this as a moment in time. So to have this moment in time to... Yeah, we're all going to look back. It's an obvious. No, we're but I'm saying, <laughs> we're all going to go back to like, you know, when COVID-19, you know, that that it's time. It's a for better or worse moment, right? Like we're, <laughs> we all are going to have a story of moments of craziness, moments of blessing, moments of, can we ever get out of this house? Insanity. Insanity. Things like that. Well, today, though, we want to bring you a story of inspiration and Mm. a story of uh, launching something, doing something that has never been done. Literally never been done. They're they're breaking new ground. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of cool because I hope you want to get involved in what they're doing. This, This project is just launching. They just completed and celebrated the launch of a Kickstarter where they... Well, why don't I introduce? Well, I was giving, I was building anticipation. Oh, building. People, people are literally building. on the edge, edge of their, of their seat. seat. Right Who now. is this? They just launched a Kickstarter. This is the future. They're breaking new ground. And <laughs> next thing you know, they're going to conquer the world and save lives. Oh, here we go. This is an introduction. You're not meeting my level of anticipation. We'll do that again. They're breaking new ground and they're ready. Saving lives. Yes, tell them how they're saving lives. (laughs) This is the project called Mission Mighty Me. Let me help you. Mission Mighty Me. And it's Catherine and JJ Jackson. Catherine and JJ Jackson. Got to stop. This is awesome. (laughs) 
And basically, this is a company that is really tackling the food allergy, nut allergies specifically in children. Yeah. I mean, they're literally going to change kids' lives. Yes. Because they're going to reduce the amount of allergies by 80%. Yes. Because if you are a parent with a child with some kind of food or nut allergy, or if you are a person with your own food or nut allergy, you understand the burden of what food allergies puts on you as a parent, mm-hmm. you as a person, and your, chi- and your child. And this is something that is going to save thousands of children from nut allergies in the future. Can't wait to see what happens with this project. We but want we'll- you to check them out, though. Oh, yeah. MissionMightyMe.com. Yes. And purchase it. If you have small children, babies, anything like that, we want you to purchase their product. Just launched. They're gonna. Their online store is launching. It just launched last week, I think. Yeah. So this is this is awesome. Uh, listen for these three things. Number one, going on dates at eleven thirty at night. Number two, you would be snoring. Are you talking you about would me? Honestly. <laughs> I feel like that. I, you know, we have some Actually, friends. We did that in college. We did. We fell in love late at night like that. Uh, I will say, I do have some friends dead. that every so often get me out really late at night, and they say that I get really funny after eleven. Yeah. 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 Like, Number two, driving the bus with no steering wheel. Yes, that's the definition of entrepreneurship. Their experience. <laughs> entrepreneurship, right there. And number three. Nut allergies. I didn't know there was like just peanuts and tree nuts. And I never really thought about all the different variations of nuts and all the different allergies, but they're in it. They're in it to win it. They're in it to change lives. So I want you to get up on, get up off your seat, get excited, learn the story of Mission Mighty Me. Here is JJ and Catherine Jackson. Let's go. We first met through friends. Um, we were both living in Manhattan and uh, in, in New York, Southerners kind of run in packs and, um, Catherine's group of friends and my group of friends happened to be, um, out and, um, you know, we met and, you know, talked for a little while. And I remember thinking, you know, gosh, you know, she's really something special. And, um, so I got up the courage, um, a little bit later, you know, a few days later and, um, and gave her a call and asked her out. And, um, she said, yes, it was great. Right. So I was super psyched. Um, and then 24 hours later, um, I remember sitting at my desk at work at like 11 o'clock at night and the phone rang and it was Catherine and she canceled. And, you know, the, the reason was basically that she just said that she, she just didn't she didn't know me and she didn't know who I was. And so she just couldn't, she couldn't do it. Well, um, in my defense, uh, so JJ had literally just gotten back to New York from a year abroad during a fellowship. And for a lot of that time, he had been living in pretty remote parts of Africa. Um, and, and literally to make ends meet, you know, he was like, working as a shepherd at one point. So he had had what a lot that of... What have to do with you canceling because, a date? Because of how you orchestrated it. He had had a lot of solitary time. 
And he came back and yes, we met and we had this actually amazing conversation about his fellowship and about his travels um, all over the world, but also in Africa. And I remember thinking, this is not your typical investment banker. I, I really like, I dig this guy. He's so deep and has some depth and he's interesting, but he didn't tell me his name. He didn't ask me my name. Okay. He okay. never asked me for my phone number. And then he waited just long enough for me to kind of forget about the whole thing. You forgot about me. <laughs> And then he somehow tracked down my number and actually had his roommate call. It wasn't him. It was his roommate. (laughs) But I called you. Right. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) I I literally remember on that phone call her saying, well, the good news is, is that this is really awkward, but because we don't know each other, um, we'll never see each other again. So... (laughs) It won't be awkward. It won't be awkward because I didn't realize he was the, he was the guy who I had met because when he called me, he didn't say, Hey, we met. So you thought this is some random person, a A friend of a friend. Okay. So maybe, maybe the delivery delivery wasn't so good. So so basically I I only share the, the, you know, solitary, time in Africa story to say that he had come back with no game. <laughs> she was in full stranger danger mode. Full you know, stranger danger. Sound like a and, <laughs> <laughs> but so but anyway, anyway, so so that was it. Years. So that was it. You know, like I don't know how I, it's possible to screw this up, but actually a friend of mine um, worked at Saturday Night Saturday Night Live and I had two tickets right. on the floor to SNL with Lenny Kravitz playing. I was like, this is going to be great. And yet... <laughs> this no. was the date you had planned? This was, that the, date. was the date. She turned and me I, down for Saturday Night Live on I've the floor. still never been to Saturday Night Live, which is... It was a great show. Oh, it was a great so show. But anyway, so... Um, How did you meet so that again? Was that. that was that, though. And then so uh, I didn't see her for two years. And, um, and then basically we had a... Um, we had someone who we had each met once mm-hmm. um, in different cities with different groups of people. And she came to each of us separately and said, I know someone you have to go out with wow. and basically wow. set us up on a blind date. But when she said Catherine's name, mm-hmm. I remembered it immediately. I was like, Oh, well, that would be great, but I've already asked her once and she turned me down so she can ask me out. And we basically did this little <laughs> thing where, but she forced us back together. And so that was then two years later and, and really that was it. Yeah. And thank, thank goodness. Yeah, I can't tell if he's really forgiven her from that moment yet. <laughs> Have you guys gotten over that whole scenario? <laughs> it, it hurt. It hurt. <laughs> no, we but you know, said, I will say like, were you going to say time? I mean, yeah. Timing is everything, honestly, because in hindsight, that wasn't the right time for us to be together in developing relationship. And, Hmm. you know, two years later, um, you know, we'd been through 9-11. We were living in downtown Manhattan. We were kind of on the other side of that. We were a little older, a little more maybe mature. Um, I don't know if we were wiser, but... And maybe more focused on like 
what mattered. Um, you know, pre pre nine eleven, young twenties, New York was kind of a big playground, and we were working and we were playing. And I feel like you know, for both of us, nine eleven sort of changed everything. I mean, it was what matters. You know, um, what do you, what do you want your life to look like? I mean, we were both much more serious people, um, when we were reintroduced, um, after yeah. 9-11. Yeah. So now you've been married how many years? Oh, let's see, two, married in 2005. So it'll be 15 years in June. And you have how many kids? Three. Three kids. Yeah. Three, 10, uh, and nine-year-old girls and a four-year-old little boy. So, you guys are investment bankers, both of you in New York, career driven going forward. Where did a transition come in here to what you're currently doing now mm. or to your path that you're on right now? Well, so, so yeah. JJ was an investment banker um, in New York. I was a producer with CNN. Um, so I was a journalist for a long time. Um, and, you know, when we met, we were very, we were very career focused and we were working a ton. I mean, you know, my, um, my new show ended at 11 o'clock every night. And that was about when JJ, um, would get off work. So, so when we started dating, we were literally, we'd meet on a Wednesday night at 1130 at a restaurant, you which know, you can downtown. actually do in, you know, in, yeah. New, in York. New York. You can do, yeah. Right. Um, and don't you remember though? Sometimes we would, uh, we would linger a little long, um, because that was our time together. And I can, I like, I can't even tell you how many times we would be the only people in the restaurant and we would like look over and, you know, like the kitchen staff would be at, sitting around a table together, kind of looking over at us, like when they're <laughs> like, going to go home. It's time to go home. You're like, yeah. I love these 1130 dates. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how, they, you know, thank goodness we were on the same kind of crazy work schedule because um, we were actually able to see each other, even though it was during these sort of ridiculous hours. And we were, we were both working so much that we understood what the other person was going through. I mean, I remember it took us almost two months to have our second date because either yeah. I was traveling or JJ was traveling right. and JJ had a very bad habit of just calling last minute and saying, Hey, can you go do what, you know, let's meet at the natural history museum. And I would be like, I am, I'm traveling. I'm out of town. You, you got to start asking with a little more. My plan <laughs> you got to start planning. <laughs> but, um, but so yeah. we, we yeah. were working. But, and in, we were, in hindsight, it's, it's actually almost like kind of funny because I wouldn't say we were on the exact same schedule because yeah. we both finished around the same time at night. But then I was generally back at work at 730 in the morning. And, you know, Catherine got to start the day a little later, and, yeah. you know, with, with <laughs> so, but, it, but in hindsight, we're like, how did we even do that? Like go to yeah. dinner at 1130 and then be at, you know, at the desk at yeah. 730 the next morning. Yeah. But, but anyway, yeah, it was, it but, was a, it was a, but it was a time that we really, 
you know, enjoyed and cherished. It was just go, go, go. And it was just really, but it was, you know, at that, in that phase of life, it was really good. But in hindsight, it probably wasn't the healthiest of, <laughs> of yeah. things, but we were you just have those moments now where you're like, you, you guys are at home. It's 1130. And you're like, it's 1130. We should go out. <laughs> Uh, we are usually no. asleep. If it's I think they're too tired. No, <laughs> like reality, they're not young twenty-somethings anymore. You know, yeah, keep the a lot kids, kids, kids changed spark. everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the transition. Yeah. Like deciding. Sorry. Yeah. So the transition to saying this isn't what we want anymore, or mm. we want. Yeah. Something. I mean, I think well, that really happened a, when we had kids. I mean, yeah, we, that's we, right. we continued that pace, um, for a long yeah. time. Um, we were in New York for almost 15 years and, um, we had our first two children in New York and we had them a year apart. Yeah. And, um, I, and I think it might be good to mention that when we decided to have kids, we, in hindsight, were just super, I feel like we were super naive as to what it would look like to be on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. Right. We were kind of like, Oh, you know, great, we'll have a baby, it'll be so wonderful, and nothing will change. You know, we'll just keep working our crazy job, and like, I'm sure it'll just work. And so we kind of went into it, I feel like, you know, um, feeling like we could do it without any changes. And it quickly occurred to us, and we quickly realized that that's just not realistic. Yeah. Especially um, first two, one year apart. Yeah. They're and you're in a small little New York City yep. apartment or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, they're and 15 you know, months apart. Still trying to keep up the same um kind of work schedules. Um for for me it it came crashing down, I think, earlier and sooner than it did for JJ. Um I went back to work after having our first child think not realizing that I was <laughs> pregnant with our second. And, um, you know, I remember the first day walking back into, um, the building and I got in the elevator and I just burst into tears. I felt like I had left like a piece of me, um, back home in our apartment and I went to the bathroom and, you know, kind of like tried to just get it together. And I was like, you have to do this. You, this is, this is the plan. You've never even thought about, um, taking time off to stay home. You have to do this. And, um, but I remember that first day just being so hard. And I I remember you saying that it was like you left your arm at home, like a, a piece of your of your body was yes. not with it you. was a, it was a physical, hmm. it was just so, it was such a physical feeling of detachment from something that I, I didn't want to be detached from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, I mean, it got, it got easier. Um, but then what the realization that I had is this career as a journalist that I had loved and that had, you know, given me so many amazing experiences and, I learned so much and I loved my, you know, my show and my, the staff. I mean, it was, they were like my second family and still are a lot of them. But what I, what I realized is working in news and having a family 
can be very difficult. It's not that it can't be done, but the unpredictability and the not ever knowing when you're going to have to jump on a plane um, suddenly hit me. I had this this very sort of upsetting revelation where I was like, I, I don't think this works. I don't think the way I want to be a mom and the way I want to be um, a journalist are compatible right now. Um, but remember also the, um, and, and maybe you're going to mention this, but like, you know, the assignment. That, yeah. I mean, it really, that's when it kind of came home for me too, because I was having a hard time understanding it as well. Um, I, you know, my next assignment was, um, to go to new Orleans to produce the dot. I had covered hurricane Katrina, um, when it happened. And my next assignment was to produce a documentary for the anniversary, um, for the five year anniversary of Katrina. And it was going to require me to spend several weeks um, off and on in New Orleans. And I, you know, I said to JJ, I, I'm, I'm nursing a, a baby. Um, I, you know, and people were like, oh, it's okay. You can ship your breast milk. You put it on dry ice. It's doable. And I was like, I mean, I have so much respect for people who, you know, who can go to those links and do that. But for me personally, I was like, I, I can't do that. So I actually decided to take some time off. Um, and then ultimately we sort of decided that New York itself was too, you know, the pressure cooker was too crazy for us. Well, there were um, other things about New York too that, um, that led us to, you know, want to head on out of there. Um, but, but yeah, we were, I think we were learning as we went that, kind of having it all in terms of, you know, the family, the kids, the career, um, and so forth was, it, it was requiring adjustments and it was requiring choices to be made. And there were just choices we'd never run into before, you know, it, before it was just like, you know, what, you know, what do you feel like you want to do for your definition of success? And then when the kids came along, it, it, it changed everything. Mm -hmm. I think it made us mm -hmm. start to think about a different definition of success. Hmm. That's good. But in, uh, in terms of New York, you know, we still, you know, kept going. I mean, it was, and look, like we feel like we're, you know, pretty battle ready on things. Um, certainly like with work and pressing through and, um, and so we just, you know, we just kept going in a lot of sense, um, certainly on my career. Um, but it was really that, that winter in <laughs> New York where we're pushing, uh, we're pushing stroller. a double stroller, you know, the long double strollers where the kids yeah. find each other and they're like enormous. Right. Yeah. And we're pushing, you know, a double stroller it, down Manhattan sidewalks through snow drifts in February <laughs> with like sleep coming down and you try to get them in a, in a, like in a taxi, but they're like all these stories that, that, that it, was, it, was it was just, just, it was just hard. Just really. And difficult. there would be days where, you know, obviously if I was by myself, the snow was the worst. Mm. Cause I remember that darn double stroller was so heavy and the way they would plow the snow, there would, the snow drifts on the sidewalks would be huge. And so if they hadn't gotten out to clear the sidewalks yet, you couldn't push the stroller. And I would, I'd walk a block and wait for a nice person on the way to work to help me 
lift the stroller over the next snowdrift and then walk another block. Oh my it was just hard. <laughs> it was just hard. It was hard. God, then, God oh. bless uh, parents of multiples oh, in Manhattan. In Manhattan. <laughs> New Yorkers, yeah. yeah. Well, and then there were the Easter eggs. <laughs> so then y'all moved south? Yeah. yeah. Then, then we basically, I mean, you know, we, we, we kind of decided that we just didn't see ourselves raising kids in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, I, like I remember feeling like, you know, like how, where do they learn to ride a bike? And, um, and we had, you know, other frustrations around just having, just having kids in New York. And we had, you know, Catherine grew up in Atlanta. I grew up in a small town in Alabama and we had, I think always wanted to move South. Yeah. Um, and we knew we wanted our children to be able to see our parents more than, you know, a handful of times a year. Um, and so that, that's really what drove us to move back to Atlanta is we could be closer to JJ's family and also closer to my family as well. So, um, so you get down here, you have a third baby, you have a third child, and then one of your kids has a peanut allergy, right? Well, it's tree nut allergies. Um, so thankfully, she's not allergic to peanut, but she's allergic to um, all tree Almost nuts all except for almonds. Nuts. Yeah, yeah. And and really, that opened your eyes to this whole thing, right? It did. Yeah, yeah it really did. So, um, so she when when our first two children were born, um, the the common medical guidance, what you know, our pediatrician recommended was that we. And not expose them to um, nuts or other common food allergens, eggs, milk, um, in the first couple of years of life. And that was sort of, that was really the guidance that had been issued by um, the American Academy of Pediatrics in the year 2000. And it, it just continued to be the recommendation for a few decades after that. So of course, I mean, first time parents, we are doing exactly, you know, what our pediatrician recommends. Um, and when she had her first walnut, she was almost three years old and had her first walnut. Um, she had never had any tree nuts up until that point. And she just immediately went into this violent reaction. Her face swelled up. She broke out in hives. Um, her eyes were swollen shut. She started vomiting and you know, we knew so little about food allergies at the time that, that I didn't understand what was happening. Um, you know, we were like, does she have the stomach bug? Did she, we, we just didn't really understand what was happening. And then finally realized that um, she had eaten like a little piece of a, of a walnut and um, called the pediatrician. By the time we got them on the <clears> phone, everything was settling down. And so um, they said, you know, just watch her, but she's probably going to need to come in for allergy testing. And so thankfully she was okay um, after that incident. But um, once we had her tested, we realized she was allergic to basically every single other nut. Hmm. Um, And we learned a lot about food allergies after that and, you know, learned how to recognize the signs of an allergic reaction and um, made sure we always had uh, Benadryl and an EpiPen um, with us at all time. And, you know, now that she's 10, she's trained on her EpiPen. She's got a trainer and she can show you in, you know, 15 seconds how to stick that, (laughs) stick that EpiPen in her leg. Um, but, um, but that really opened our eyes to just, 
um, the really the burden for anybody living with a food allergy, but especially for children. I mean, you know, birthday parties and um, even school celebrations. Um, you you always have to be worrying and checking um, what they're having and what they're eating and what the ingredients are. And um, for her, it's a real mental burden because now the burden's really on her. Um, she's a lot more independent. She's going, she goes to birthday parties where I'm not there. Um, and she has to be the advocate and make the decision, you know, as am I, is it safe for me to participate and eat this or um, is it better for me to, to sit this one out? And I think it's, I think it's kind of hard for people who don't have food allergies in their family to understand what that's like. I mean, you know, food is so communal. It's supposed to be, it's one of the things that brings us all together. It's, it's uh, often joyous and um, celebratory. And so, you know, when you have uh, in particular a child, but if it's, you know, yourself, um, fear in those moments, it's, you know, it's, um, it can be, it can be really tough for some kids. Um, it can lead to difficulties with just eating in general. Um, you know, some, it leads to just in general being less willing to take risk, um, which is, can have, you know, long-term impacts and so forth. So it, it's, it's more than just like knowing what not to eat. Um, it can be much more pervasive than that in everyday life. So then that led you guys to this mission, mighty me. I'd love to have you kind of explain that to our audience and how that came about. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, it really changed when our son James was born. So he was born in, um, 2015, you know, we'd been living with, you know, um, Niall having a food allergy for a while. And, and so we, you know, had made those adjustments and so forth. And, um, and in 2015, the same year he was born, um, research came out that proved definitively that if you can get um, peanut, and the belief is that it works with you know other nuts as well, into their diets early and often, um, like when kids are around six months old or so, um, then the body can, uh, can learn um, to, to tolerate them. And effectively you know, a food allergy is a response of the immune system. And we've known for generations and generations that the immune system can learn. That's why we give vaccinations. Um, and so essentially the same is true for teaching the immune system, um, what not to fight. And so Catherine, um, being the researcher that she is with her kind of journalist mindset, um, I mean, you were actively looking for when, when James was born, you were actively looking for mm-hmm. any and all research on food mm-hmm. allergies. And that's when you came across it, right? Yeah. In the journal of medicine. Yeah. Um, and the study that um, JJ was referencing is called the, the LEAP study. Um, and it was published in the New England Journal of Medicine right around when our third child was born. And um, it stands for learning early about peanut allergy. Um, and basically what it found is that by introducing peanuts into a baby's diet in the first year of life and keeping, um, peanut protein consistently in their diet until age five, um, the babies in the study, their 
risk of developing a peanut allergy was reduced by 80%. So to put it differently, the babies in the study who did not have peanut in the first five years of life had a five times higher rate of peanut allergy than the babies in the study who started getting it in their diet in the first year and continued it for the next five years. So, I mean, this completely rocked my world because, you know, if there was anything we could do to prevent our oldest daughter from having to carry this burden of having a food allergy, we would have done it in a heartbeat. But we didn't know this at the time. You know, the the guidance um, when she was born was to avoid all allergens. Um, It was completely different. Now, we know that since the avoidance guidance was put in place, uh, nut allergies have tripled and food allergies have increased by 50%, right? Mm. But hindsight's 20-20. And this new research was so groundbreaking that I remember reading a quote from um, the director of um, the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Anthony Fauci, who is now like a household name because of um, his role in the coronavirus um, epidemic. But I remember reading this quote quote by him that said, you know, this study um, is unprecedented and will save thousands and thousands of children from peanut allergies. Mm-hmm. And that that quote right there completely rocked my world. And I said to JJ, I said, we have to do this for our son. We have to try to get this into his diet. It also and, just made sense to us, you know, like if you have something early, you know, early, you know, um, then, you know, it, it made sense to us that the immune system could learn and so forth. And so we just wanted to do right. it ourselves. But, but, but that first time you tried to integrate it, I mean, were you freaking out? Like, what if this go? what if this isn't true? What if I, what if I. Absolutely. Yes. Especially right. like, uh, parents of a food allergy. Yeah. Child. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Ultimately, like it was just really hard to do. Right. And we, you know, we were like trying to take peanut butter and put it in the microwave, stir it up and try and mix it in as rice cereal. You know, we were ordering this, you know, snack food from whatever you could possibly do. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I mean, you can't give babies peanuts until, you know, the recommendation is they should never have a whole nut until age five. And they should never have a like peanut butter off a spoon until age four because of the choking hazard. So you have to modify it. So then I interact with you guys. I meet up with you at this after party thing. Yes. Monday night brewing at this brewery. You guys basically like drill me down in a corner and you're like, Jeff, we're going to do this thing. (laughs) We're going to do this thing. You got to help us. We got to figure this out. We got to do it right now. We can literally save children's lot, thousands and thousands of kids lives. And it was a concept. So tell us what you created. Tell us about Mission Mighty Me. Yeah, sure. So, um, so you know, what from our own experience, what we figured out is that it was just really hard to do, and the um, it was really hard to give um, you know babies peanut, and um, but because the entire baby food industry was peanut free. Mm-hmm. And, and and all nut free. All nut I mean, free. really yeah. getting any allergenic food. You know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, since this guidance, since the research came out, now recommends early introduction of peanut in the first year of life um, and not to withhold any um, allergenic foods. So, you know, the guidelines have completely shifted based on this research. And, and yet, 
there's still just the baby food industry is still completely allergen free. And that's what was Hmm. making us crazy is because we kept reading, you know, you're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be doing this. To us, it was so obvious that this needed to happen and so frustrating that nobody was doing it. And so for us, you know, Catherine's the one who, you know, had the idea. And I remember her coming to me, I remember, you know, talking in the kitchen and she was like, remember holding up those, you know, those puff containers that are in like every diaper bag, you know, that the little kids chow down on all the time. She had like a, a thing of puffs and then a jar of peanut butter. And she was like, why is, has nobody put these two together? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm just like making a cup of coffee. I'm like, I don't, I mean, Catherine, I don't know. Like what's, you know, sure. You know, somebody's, you know, now that we know what we know, somebody's going to I'm sure do it. somebody will do it. Somebody's going to do it. And, um, <laughs> and it ends up, it's you guys. <laughs> and then, you know, and so this just kind of the conversation continued for a while and nobody was doing it. And um, we had wanted to move more towards like purpose oriented professions um, for a while, I would say, you know, we had kind of realized that um, maybe what we were doing um, in terms of like finance and so forth, you know, for me wasn't, you know, necessarily what ultimately I wanted to do, but we just didn't know what it might look like. I mean, it's one thing to like say, you know, you want to find things that are like a career that's more purpose oriented. It's another thing to like, Say, okay, well, how do I do that? <laughs> um, and that was really hard for me. So we had, but we had kind of opened our mind and our heart, I would say, to like finding something that's more purpose oriented. And so when Catherine, you know, had this idea, um, you know, my reaction was, well, you know, that's a great idea for somebody, and it's probably should be Gerber, um, but. <laughs> We kept talking about it. And in the back of my head, I was like, you know, gosh, I wonder if that could be, you know, a step towards a more kind of purpose driven career. Mm. And, um, and we just, we just kept talking about it. And then, so essentially nobody was doing anything and we started looking into it more and more like the food industry and so forth. And we were kind of learning that most innovation, um, in the industry wasn't happening from the big companies. And, um, and it was something that, you know, at the time was also in some respects considered a little crazy in the industry. I mean, the whole industry was, um, so geared towards allergen free, um, that even the concept of putting like purposefully putting peanut, um, in a product for little kids and and babies was just kind of, it was just kind of crazy. So, um, but now, but now you've done it three years later, you have it, you just launched it. You just launched your Kickstarter. You have these puffs, you're doing it. Yeah. It's available. People can get it or it's going to, they yes. can basically get it in these next few weeks. I'm curious. So you guys went all in, you did it. You are beating the odds to make it happen. You're trying to save kids lives. Ultimately doing it together. So it's taken three years, you know, four years, really. You said your four-year-old was when this really started happening. Right. But you kind of quit your job. You went all in. You guys are all in. How has this affected your relationship in the last three years? Like, has it been hard? Have you, has it brought you closer together? Where are you at in the midst of it now? I think ultimately it's been really 
good for us and good for our relationship. Um, we, I mean, it's hard too. don't get me wrong. We are together and we are working together 24 seven. And so, you know, that means sometimes the first thing we say to each other in the morning is about mission might be. And then <laughs> the last thing we say before we go to bed is, and we're trying to work on that, but where I think it's been really good for us is we had gotten into a rhythm where we were like in two separate lanes going a hundred miles per hour. Mm-hmm. When we first moved back to down to Atlanta, JJ commuted to New York for two years. So he was still doing, um, he was still, you know, an in investment banking in New York. I was trying to get us situated in Atlanta. The girls were one and two years old. Um, and life was crazy. insane, And we were not, um, other than here and there on the weekends, um, we were not really in each other's lives. I didn't know what was going on day to day um, with JJ, and he really didn't know what was going on day to day with me. And that was hard. We just didn't have the time um, to, you know, to keep connecting and and making sure like. I knew what he was going through that week and he knew what I was going through that week. And what's been so awesome about this is that if he's stressed out about something, I pretty much know exactly what it is and why, and I'm probably stressed out about it too. Um, Or if he's celebrating something, um, you know, we're, we're in it together. We're celebrating it together. So it certainly has its, challenges. I mean, like I said, we are trying to figure out how to turn it off so we don't talk about it all the time. Um, but I do feel like it has it has actually brought us um, closer together because we are we're just more in it together as opposed to like two separate lanes going a hundred miles per hour. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's totally right. Um, it's also allowed us to kind of see each other in their element a little bit. Like I'd never seen, I mean, I'd seen Catherine's, you know, work, but I'd never seen her like at work. And so, um, it, it's, it's can be kind of fun when we're in the middle of something and I'll look at it and I'm like, gosh, that was, that was actually really good. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and, you know, trusting each other and relying on each other, um, has been really great, uh, working together. I mean, that said, um, this, this, God, I call it a transition. This this move of jumping out of kind of you know corporate America, if you will, into entrepreneurship um, has been a complete roller coaster um, of ups and downs. You know, this these these periods where you feel like this is the dumbest thing I could have possibly done. And, um, and then other periods where you feel like you could not possibly imagine you know, doing anything else. And it's hard to describe a little bit. I mean, I feel like one, of the, one visual <laughs> that um, I remember thinking when we were making this kind of move was it was like, you know, we had built these careers and that were, you know, kind of on these great trajectories and these, you know, and we'd put all this work and into it. And and it was almost like we were 
like driving a school bus, you know, ahead in these careers um, with the kids in the back. And then it's like sliding that little window open, taking the steering wheel off and chucking it out the window. That's what entrepreneurship's like. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, whoa, wait, who's, you know, what's, wait, there's a curve coming up. Like, wait, what happened to the steering wheel? And like, you know, and, and so, and, and that's just been, it's just been up and down and hard. And so we've, I feel like working together has brought us closer together, as Catherine mentioned, because we, you know, we're going through this together, but it's not all roses because it hadn't been, it hadn't been, you know, nothing has been easy, mm-hmm. but going through that together, I think, you know, for our relationship has been really good for us. It's funny. Cause there's a lot of people that are, you were mentioning like, um, you appreciated what each other did, but you had never really fully seen it, you know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, recent days with all the things happening surrounding us, I think every couple that is working, they're seeing what each other does in the same building, you know, right. and yeah. pros and cons. Right. And I think Absolutely. a lot of people probably relate with that right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. What's something you have learned in the midst of that journey that you wish you would have known when you started about your relationship? I feel like for us, one of the hardest decisions we had to make was to do it at all. Like we had these, you know, we had these careers. I had my career. Um, you know, I felt like even with kids and so forth, like the, that it was irresponsible to, in my head, kind of throw away that career to go off and try something new. But you know, now that I look back on it, um, I'm just I'm just so glad we did mm-hmm. to kind of start this journey and just mm-hmm. and just try something. I I try to make important decisions thinking about what it'll be like when I'm 96 years old and getting towards the end and looking back and being like, you know, what am I? what am I glad I did? What am I proud of? You know, what am I not proud of? Um, and I do, I I remember, you know, as we were trying to decide whether or not to pursue this, um, what it really came down to is, and I remember us talking about this was we decided that we knew that we would have more regret if we didn't try it. Hmm then even even if it didn't work yeah we would have more regret if we didn't try it than if we tried it and it failed Mm -hmm. and that realization for us was like well if you know that then how can you not do it Mm. it kind of lifted a little bit of the burden i feel like that i thought i was feeling of trying something like this would be irresponsible because it kind of gave us the, the, um, the permission, I guess, right. to realize that, you know, we had, we, that's when it changed from something that we thought would be kind of interesting to do to something that we realized we had to do. Mm. 
I have a hard question to ask you guys. And if you don't want to answer it, then it's okay. But I have a follow-up to this. We've never asked this to anyone. (laughs) Your scenario is kind of unique uh, to the question. You were talking about like, you know, you guys were both kind of going all in, in your own lanes, but separated basically. Like you're going to New York, you're in Atlanta, you know, like running, running, running. And then you quit that and you go all in together. do you think because of this, whether it works or fail, fails, it increased the likelihood of you guys lasting more so than the other scenario or less? You get what I mean, the question I'm asking? Yeah. It's a hard question to answer, but yeah, I'm curious where you would land on that. I mean, I would say that going through this experience together, I mean, I think it definitely makes us stronger has made a stronger couple because, I mean, it has been hard. Um, and we've had to like really figure a lot of stuff out together. Um, and, and I feel like, I mean, even just looking at friendships of mine, it's like when, when we've gone through something really hard together and worked through it, um, that, that is like the, the strongest bond. Um, you know, um, and for us, like we had had kids, we had, um, you know, we had had careers that were challenging, but it, there was not something that we were working on together that was so hard and needed us to like really come together as a team to, to make it work and to make it happen. So I think in that sense, it's kind of made our, our bond um, even stronger. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, no, no question, actually. Um, you know, we've, um, we've just spent more time together and gotten to know each other and been through this together. It's been a total roller coaster. And, um, and there's no question in my mind that, you know, it's made us, it's made us closer. I mean, to the point where, you know, we even, of, of course, when you're starting from something, something from scratch, you're like, you know, is this going to work? Is it not going to work? You know, sometimes you have these periods where like, just there's no way it's going to work. And, you know, I remember, you know, multiple times having this conversation where we were even like, well, you know, like we really think this is going to, you know, work and it's going to help a whole lot of people. Um, but if it doesn't, let's find something else. Like we'll, we'll do it. We'll do, we'll do it again. Like we're going to find something, you know, it wasn't like, We want to keep working together. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a good sign. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Our final question that we ask every couple, is it possible to change the world, stay in love and raise a healthy family? I think absolutely. It's possible to do all of those things. And um, I think ideally that's, that's what you strive for. That's the goal. Um, I do think that, it may not necessarily be possible to do all of those things at the same time at the level you want. Mm. Um, you know, I remember um, we talked about kind of having children, starting a family, and then going back to work um, and having this realization that something had to give. Um, and I didn't want, I didn't want to, 
sacrifice or compromise anything. I didn't want to miss one special thing with my daughter. I didn't want to miss, you know, one assignment um, at work. And I wanted JJ and I to still feel like we were newlyweds. Um, and what, what I realized, one of my mentors um, at CNN, I remember told me, he said, he said, the problem is you really want to have your cake and eat it too. And you can't do that. And I remember going home that night to JJ and saying, that was the most sexist comment. Of course I can, I can do it all. And, you know, I think that we do a disservice to women telling them always to expect that they can do it all. Um, at the same time, at the level they, they would strive for. And I think something that I've kind of realized, and it's actually been very liberating for me, is that um, the goal is to do, do it all. The goal is to do all of that. Um, but it doesn't always necessarily have to be at the same time, at the top level um, of all of it. You know, your career can have on-ramps and off-ramps. You don't always have to be in the fast lane going 100 miles per hour um, and never taking a minute to, um, to turn or, or to adjust. Yeah. And, and I, I think, cause I agree, I, I think it's absolutely doable. Um, but I think it takes time to find a way to make it work because, you know, we thought we could do that without making any changes. Um, and for some people, they can, you know, they can do that and it works. For us, it just wasn't working like we wanted it to. So we had to make adjustments. And I think some, unfortunately, you know, some careers, um, some, you know, job positions um, may not work for someone that's trying to do each of those things at the same time. And so it kind of requires some hard choices. But I think, with a, and, and also to Catherine's point, it may be that different parts of it come in different seasons, right? Um, we've certainly experienced experienced that, um, but um, but we think it's 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 definitely doable. I think communication is a big a big part of it in making sure that you know you're talking with each other as as much as possible and really kind of understanding that each of you are you know what you're searching for and helping each other, you know, um, kind of get, you know, get what yeah. you want. Um, yeah. to, to and try I mean, and, and sharing the responsibility with your spouse. I mean, there are seasons where I, you know, JJ has been busier. So I've had to pick up more of the stuff at home or I've been busier. And so JJ's had to pick up more of the stuff at home and, um, someone's got to do that. Um, and especially, you know, for us working together, like JJ, he would, he would often say to me, I need more of you, <laughs> like on the business. I need more of you on the business. And I would say to JJ, we have the same three children. So somebody has to take them to the doctor and pick them up from school and, <laughs> you know, make sure that their needs are all met. Somebody has to do that. And, um, we've, we've gotten better about just kind of, um, toggling it a little bit where someone picks up more of the slack when things are crazy for the other person and, and vice versa. Um, 
But I mean, I think what I have learned is, you know, being a bit of a perfectionist, it's not all going to be perfect at the same time. And now it's time for the breakdown. Yeah. Were you inspired? Yeah. I mean, I think they're trying to do something that's very difficult. I mean, when you think about the fears that go along with this issue, yes, um, you have to overcome a lot of parents' fears for them to actually purchase the product yes, and to try it and to use it. But if they do, it's going to increase the chances of their children, of your children, if you're listening, to not have these allergies. And that's admirable. It's exciting. These are the types of projects that it takes people to get behind for it to work. And so we need to try to get behind it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think what I think is so fascinating about their story is they started this whole love work, you know, marriage, family, kids, all of that in New York and really pushed and tried to do it in New York and both on crazy career trajectories, you know, having kids, Mm. living the life, all of those things. And then realizing that it wasn't going to work there. Mm. And then had to kind of do a whole pivot and change, move. Then they keep trying to do it, even in another state. The stroller stroller story was funny to me. But they still go to Atlanta, and he still travels to New York. Yeah. So then they still try to do it again. They pivot, try to do it again in another state. It's still not working. And then now they switch over and completely both quit jobs and start this whole new project. Yeah. And now they're doing it in a different way and a different purpose. And they are seeing that it's working. Yeah. And I just think it's really great, like evidence that at any point we are allowed to edit and change and pivot and do what works for you mm-hmm. and what works for the family. Do you think if you were not married to me that you had, would ever use the word pivot in a conversation? Yeah, I just learned that word from you. I'm pivot. just trying to use it in my vocabulary. So. I'm really impressed by your business knowledge right now as, you piv- as I pivot the conversation towards something I took away. But I think it really requires difficult choices to be made. Like you can't sometimes you can't just keep moving forward how it's always been done. And I think, no, you can't do it that way, especially right now in all of life. (laughs) COVID-19. You cannot do things the way you've always done it. Like until you come to that realization, until I come to that realization, until you come to that realization, we are stuck and we're just going to be complaining and we're just going to be whining. We have to change. Yeah. It's a new day. Yes. It is a new time. Yes. This is the future. It's not to, and, and parts of it are exciting. Parts of it, you have to grieve. Yeah. You are so hyped today. You are like all up already, all, all for this today. I like it. Well, I mean, I need you to rise up. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You're in it with me. I, it is a different day and we have to make decisions that are going to be different for a new day. Something that I I walked away and I I love this line that they said, I need more of you. That's that that was, that was like, 
They were saying it in a business standpoint, but I think we can definitely say it even in a like emotional availability or a you know just an availability standpoint. Sometimes it's logistical. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's physical. Whoa! Hey, you went there. I, I did. I did it. I for need you. more. Of you. <laughs> hey, they did it for me. I, we have to. We have to be able to communicate. That's part of the communication is understanding what you need and communicating it to your partner. Yes. Until we have the ability to do that, until that's part of our language, yeah. our expectations are never going to be met. Yes. We probably we, should just let go of those expectations too. <laughs> right. But in yeah. the communication, like, hey, I need more of you in this way. Yes. That might be one new tool that we need in our vocabulary. Yes, especially during this time where things are different. Yeah. That's good. That's a good takeaway, people. That's a good tool in your tool belt. Hang on. And one, one of the things you might want to do instead of like proactively asking that to, from someone is to proactively ask it to someone. You're what Your you partner, mean? what if what if a takeaway today for you when you're talking with the person that you love the most was to ask them, what is something you need more of from me? Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. That's good. Yeah. If I did it on a podcast, can I still do it? Can I ask you that question later? <laughs> is it still as powerful? <laughs> it's good. It actually still is. It still it? matters. It's good. What do I need? We'll talk more about that with our nightly from, cocktail. <laughs> what do you need more from me? Yeah. All right. Well, that's another great episode. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank so you, much. Thank you, Catherine and JJ. And please check them out at missionmightyme.com. I love and alliteration too. Let's be honest. Mish M M M. All right, everybody. Thank you. That's another episode of Love or Work. Produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.